Welcome back to Podcast 28. Today we're talking about finding your genius. Now, that's not picking out the genius in the room or the man that's got man or woman that's got the uh, 99% on the end score, but it's about finding your groove, finding what you're good at and finding what works for you. Um, and, and that can vary for all different people. So, Tony, welcome back. And this is a topic that you love. It is a topic I love. And from an educational perspective, not because I'm a genius, because I'm far from it. But it's, uh, it is more about uh, finding the thing that you love to do in life. And those things that you love to do in life are never an effort. Uh, so that that's what when we talk about finding a genius that's we're talking about it obviously when it comes to business when it comes to your life sporting analogies you know there have been geniuses in sport um, etc so and I think I think if you you know you want to start on that sporting analogy Jamie they you know there's nothing more frustrating than somebody with natural talent who you just see going to waste and who don't make that effort yeah, and, yes, I th- and I think, look, the biggest examples, I follow the NBA, but you, you yeah. see guys like you know, LeBron James, who's obviously my favourite, but Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, who are just famous for the, the work ethic inside the gym, not just on the court. So People say, wow, they're so naturally talented, and obviously they do have natural talent yeah. and they've got the genetics to be great at basketball, but their work ethic is so amazing, it is it's out of this world. Yeah, so they, they I guess with with, um, with Kobe Bryant, he was always famous for not saying, you know, he could always perform when the lights are on, but it's the, the work that he does when the lights are off and the gym's closed. Yeah, and it was a story I just heard recently was an NFL player by the name of Tony Gonzalez, and maybe not uh, as well known, uh, but one of, one of the things he was a, I think it's a wide receiver, uh, but... He, he was six foot five, 220 pound and athletically gifted, you know, basically uh, could run like the wind. So, and it's not too many, you know, guys who are six foot five, besides the fact that like Usain Bolt, who can run a hundred meter sprint in about 10.5 seconds, you know, especially when they're 220 pounds. So he was naturally gifted in that respect, but there was a period there where he was only catching something like about 30% of passes that was given to him. So as much as he was naturally talented when he had the ball in his hands, but he was dropping a lot. And apparently when he made the NFL Hall of Fame uh, of just recently, he was another Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. He was the hardest worker in the room. So when he, he was, he was uh, a coach basically had said to him, you know, you got all the talent in the world, but you're not using it. And basically what he worked out is all these great NFL players who were those wide receivers were all on average practicing 30 catches a day when it came to, um, when it come to training. So every, every day, but doing 30 catches a day, basically Monday to Friday. And he said, well, my percentage of taking those catches is so low, I have to work harder than the average great player. So he went out there and he practiced taking 300 a day, including weekends, after games, everything. So he practiced doing 300 a day, and as a result became one of the greatest uh, of all time and and a Hall of Fame legend now, as a result of, yes, having the natural talent, finding his genius and then working hard and doing over and over and over and over again. And that consistency just became habit. Uh, but when it became habit, he didn't stop practicing. Yeah. He still just did it. And, you know, the stories of, 
Uh, we've discussed the likes of Jason Dunstall and Brendan Favola, two of the most accurate kicks in AFL. Yeah, well, I guess the Favola one was that, you know, uh, they wouldn't... I guess the talk's been about sports science and, and the body and things like that, but he found that was his... <laughs> that was His go was goal-kicking, and he, you know, wasn't allowed to have so many shots after training, so he'd go down to his local uh, footy ground down in Bo Morris and have his 100 shots to get at goal at right. that time and have the kids kick the ball back to him. Yeah, and Jason Dunstall was the same. You know, uh, one of the greatest goal kickers of all time and had a very high accuracy rate as well. But after training had finished, he got the ball and he had 100 shots at goal uh, from all different angles and all different positions. And that extra practice over and over and over again. And, you know, 100 shots at goal, that's not an extra 20 minutes of training. That's an extra 90 minutes to two hours of training, basically four times a week that they were doing that. And that's what, when when they went and had that shot of goal, there was every likelihood with the cheer squad were waving their flags at the end of that kick as a result. So, and that, that's that extra effort. They're obviously very gifted, very good at what they did, but they all went that extra mile. So finding your genius, I guess in a work sense and in a day-to-day basis, how, how have you gone about finding your genius? and? And what sort of practices have you put in place there? Um, I think that this is going back around about 20 years ago now. I used to go to Chicago every three months and doing the Dan Sullivan Strategic Coach course. And as part of that course, uh, basically, they made us think about the three most important things that we do in our business in respect to building our business and what we do. And then they asked us to write... The first thing they asked us to do is write down uh, everything that you actually do in your business... And then what are the three most important things that generate growth and income uh, for the business and what you actually do? And then you were told you had to eliminate everything else. So when I wrote down my list of things that I was doing, about 20 things, and I had to eliminate everything and just got down to the three things that I was actually really good at and actually enjoyed doing uh, and that were the most productive things in the business, that was really interesting because what it actually did then was I think I ended up having to hire at least one new person, if not two new people, to do that work. So that actually ate into my cash flow. But what it did is allowed me to spend more time doing the stuff that I was actually really good at, which then helped grow the business to what it was when it was sold in 2008. And, and you've been part of the journey this time around again. Uh, and you've seen it ever since you came here where we said here's the goals here's what we're doing here are the only three things that I do in this business and we're going to go forward and you're doing all this stuff Jamie yeah and even now in your new role general manager of operations once again there's a whole range of things that you've taken off me uh, to be able to do in respect to the growth of this business you know here's where you negotiate here's what you do and you bring in me me in when required yep. and hopefully that's just to put a signature on a contract and nothing <laughs> yeah. else Try to hide the prices of a few things from you, but <laughs> let's get them through. Yes. But, yeah, so what, what were those three things that you sort of identified in your, in your day-to-day life and business? Well, one of the things, it's not a job when you turn up and do something that you love every day. And one of the things I do love doing is education, is actually educating people in something that I like and I'm good at. So I've been... A triathlon coach I've been you know so it's and was doing that uh, even full-time for a period of time there uh, but I love educating people in respect to what we do in this job so my role is realistically as a knowledge broker one of the my pet loves in life as is yours too I know is we're communicators we enjoy being with people 
and we enjoy the company of people. Sometimes we enjoy also enjoy our own solitude sitting on the couch, but we enjoy being with people. So this would be a horrible industry for me to be in if I didn't enjoy the company of other people. And as a result of that, you're helping people achieve their goals by educating them and mentoring them and bringing them along on the ride. And as I said, I actually get to socialize all day with people I love. How, how, can, how can you not have that? So that's where my genius is. So my genius is actually working with people and being with people. You know, I, I look forward to coming in here on Monday mornings knowing that that's the busiest day of my week always because I'm seeing more people that day and I'm getting to spend time with, you know, all of you guys who actually really enjoy your company. Yeah, and we've, we've always spoke about the larger the company grows and, and, you know, the different activities that we're doing inside Cough Combined, but the one thing that you always want to do as far as we grow is to see clients. So Absolutely. other people will take those other roles the further we progress because your life and what you enjoy is seeing clients. Yeah, the last thing I want is people to take away what I enjoy doing. Yeah, I enjoy getting up on stage. I enjoy speaking to people. I enjoy speaking to my self-employed clients because guess what? I'm self-employed just like them every Monday morning. I'm unemployed. Yep. So it's, uh, so it's you know, I, I understand their pains. I understand their fears. I understand their, their goals. I understand family life being self-employed as well so and I think that I think that's really important so it's it's easy to turning up on Monday is very easy when you love doing what you do and I think this is a distinction is that if you think about it we all have very different personalities and you have to sometimes fit a personality into a particular role if the role is from a compliance perspective in here where you're dotting I's and crossing T's uh, that's usually not an extrovert. Uh, so in respect to that role, that is someone who is detail orientated, who has a bit of an audit mind, you know, so mind around auditing. And that's really important. So putting an extrovert into that role is not necessarily, they might be have a qualification, but it will never be something they love doing. So you actually have to have someone in that role who's very good at dotting I's, crossing well, T's and seeing patterns. New, and that seems to be the new trend when hiring, is hiring for, per, like, I guess, personality instead yeah, of hiring for the qualifications. Absolutely. And when we say hiring for personality, that doesn't mean everyone has to have your personality, no. Jamie. God, it'll be a nightmare in here if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, but what I'm saying is it's hiring the right person with that personality for that particular role. Yeah. So I could not do Emily's job to save myself. I probably could, but within three hours of taking on that role, I would be bored out of my mind and I'd be looking for another job uh, without any doubt. It just, I'd get so distracted by shiny things, it would be ridiculous. So that doesn't suit me. And I think when you think about it, there are things that we actually do. So if you think about somebody in their job or somebody who's self-employed, there's what I call that genius or the flow that you actually have. These are the things that when you turn up, you love doing more than anything. You don't want other people to do it because you love to do it. Not because you can't give up control, but that's why you get out of bed in the morning to do it. There are other things that you do which you can be excellent at, but they don't float your boat. They, that's an old term, isn't it? I've heard that one for a while. <laughs> so it's, uh, they, don't, they don't excite you. You do it, you're excellent at doing it, but it doesn't really excite you. 
And if it doesn't really excite you, eventually it's just gonna become tedious. And when it just becomes tedious, you get that momentum happening and that's when it's just like, yeah, I'm really just not interested anymore. So, and you start to lose that passion. When you start to lose that passion, you start getting distracted. When you start getting distracted, you start looking for something else. So actually finding that genius, and even for advisors, if we're talking you know, financial planners, I know there's a number of financial planners that listen to this, is that if you're working in a segment or an area where you actually don't like that or you're not great at it, look at what area that you're great at. So for example, I love working with SMEs. It's an area that we excel at if, if not being the best in the country at doing. Uh, we love doing the funds management side. We love doing or you know, helping them with all their legal side and their succession and their estate planning. But in saying that, you know, there's, there's, I, I am not passionate about Centrelink planning. It's part of a financial planner's role. I know it. I'm not passionate about it. I'm not excited about it. So I will refer that to somebody who is passionate about that and who is good at doing that because that's not so much, well, it's not my area of expertise because to have an area of expertise, you have to be passionate about it. There's no use being a cardiologist and not being interested in the heart and being more interested in the inner ear. <laughs> so it's, um, and, and that's where I think, you know, if... You're not going to go to a cardiologist if uh, you've got you know something wrong with your kidneys. Uh, you're going to go to a cardiologist because there's something wrong with your heart, and I think that's the same in all business. Yeah. Um, and and but once again, if you're just doing something because you're excellent at it, that can still lead to mistakes because you start to get bored, and then there's things you're just poor at. So, for example. You know, I, I can run a budget. We run budgets, uh, things like that. But I don't run my own budget. You know, it's, uh, even when it comes to simple things like you getting paid on a... What's our frequency? <laughs> yeah, you don't even Fortnightly, know I think. Is it fortnightly? Fortnightly. Okay, yes. so it's... Uh, so if, you know, it's obviously something... I look at remuneration and how much people get and for what they're worth and things like that. But at the end of the day, I'm not... I'm not making sure checks are paid and I'm not making sure the electricity bill is paid and things like that. That's, that's not my role. That's not my job. Yeah. And so when helping business owners, I guess we, we found people who have come into a role and they've got to a stage, but they are losing that and they're sort of, I guess the business isn't going backwards, but there's a stall. And how do we help people get finding that genius and taking those next steps in that business journey? Well, I think it's, um, without giving away all the secrets, I think it's what you call that ceiling of complexity. It's you get to a certain level and a certain, and what do you have to do differently to expand? So sometimes that's taken on risk. And one of the things is, is if you are feeling fear and anxiety about certain things in your business, that fear means that you're not working in your genius. You're not working in your flow. So as an example, an analogy I use for me personally is swimming. When I remember somebody once saying to me, because you know, basically all my life, with the exception of a number of years in there, but basically all my life, I was getting up at 4.30 and going swimming since I was in grade five or grade six and going swimming. And you know, thankfully, I had my dad, uh, who would actually drive me and take me, and then in older life, it's up to my own discipline. But one of the things about swimming, I remember somebody saying to me once, God, you must be a wonderful, because they know me as a talker, you must be a wonderful morning person. You know, I hate the mornings. I looked at them and said, are you kidding? I hate getting up early in the mornings. I would much prefer to stay up to 2 a.m. every day and sleep until 12 o'clock. That would be my ultimate dream. 
But I get up early because that's when I have to do it to do what I want. And the thing, the great thing about swimming is when you're actually swimming, you get into a flow and you get into a rhythm. And that is my flow of genius. So I always, I always said that when I'm joined by rhythm and melody, uh, I know I'm going to have a rip-snorting run. I'm going to have a rip-snorting swim because everything's flowing. And when you consider swimming, your head is submerged in water. You have to turn your head to get a breath. You get into that flow. You get into that rhythm. And with that, that is that is my genius. That is my flow that I'm in. And nobody can hold me back. But also, no one can interrupt me with a conversation. You know, I don't get to the end and talk to someone. Uh, I get in there. I do what I have to do, and I get out. So even when I was swimming in squads, I wouldn't I wouldn't be talking to people at the end of the lane. I was actually there to swim um, and do what I had to do, and then get out. So. There's nothing, for me, there's nothing better to get into my natural flow than going for a swim. It is magnificent. It's magnificent for my head. It's magnificent. You know, actually, the best way of explaining it, Jamie, is this. Have you ever done something where an hour seems like 10 hours? So for me, that might be studying. <laughs> okay, so if, if you, where you're, actually, a good example for me in school was in year 10 maths. Every 15 seconds, I'm looking at the clock and say, how is that only 15 <laughs> seconds? I'm sure that was 24 minutes. Yeah, I was so, sure the clock went backwards. Absolutely. So for me, that was uh, maths when it came to school, algebra, uh, Pythagoras theory. So it's, um, and it, it was basically, it was a case of, there was just no flow in that forever. That time took forever, you know, so it's um, in maths class. But when I was in PE, that hour seemed like five minutes. It's like, is it over already? How can it be over already? What do you mean the bells? Like, or, or even lunchtime. What do you mean that, that 45 minutes for lunch is actually gone? So, and the reason being is because when you're doing things you love, you don't even think about it. So, um, I mean, I first met you when I was coaching and still doing triathlons at an okay level. And I remember once at presentation night, you cheekily turned around. It was on a Saturday night. I think it was down at the Tower Hotel and you turned around to me and said oh so you're going to do you know like a hundred hundred k ride tomorrow and i said no actually tomorrow we've got planned a 220k ride and you just looked at me and was like oh was, you're kidding oh, so, de- oh definitely wouldn't be in my flow doing that i can tell you that no much. but it, what was interesting is because i loved doing it and i was doing it with a bunch of blokes who i love their company uh guys and girls and i love their company and we were out there for eight hours doing something we love and socializing that eight hours just went like that. It was it was magnificent, and it was you just you're just in this euphoria because it, now the idea of spending eight hours study makes me physically ill. And I say, or eight hours of maths is probably all I ever concentrated on in 10, 12 years of maths. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so you know when you're in your genius flow, when time goes at a click of a finger. You ever been on an overseas holiday and six weeks before you go sounds like such a long time and then all of a sudden it's how in the hell did six weeks go so fast? Yeah. Because you're loving what you're doing. Yeah. You're seeing new things. You're meeting new people, making new friends, new experiences with you know people who become lifelong buddies and things like that. And that's, you know, these are things that you remember forever. I never remember my algebra teacher's name. So it's, I, hope um, I hope they're not listening. <laughs> I don't think they are. So it's uh, but so to find your genius, how do you know when you're in your genius? Is when 
an hour seems like three minutes. You know, when I'm up on stage, it's like, Tony, you've got 25 minutes just to talk about this subject. And it's just like, oh, and then you, you, you've got to sign up, say, five minutes to well, go. And I'm yeah. thinking, but I have so much more to say. I'm loving this. I reckon so, if I see in this t- time of this podcast as well, you wouldn't believe how quickly it's gone. Four so, minutes so far? Four minutes so far. <laughs> so so, it's, uh, so uh, it's, that's finding a genius. If you're just doing things that you're excellent at and you're not in the flow. So if we think about this, there's a, there's a couple of ways of actually doing it. Sorry to butt in again, Jamie, but this is something that I'm finding my flow on. Yeah, yeah um, how do I? But let's, let's talk about it. Is How do you know when you're in your flow state is when, it, as I said, the time passes so quickly and it's just a rhythm. You're just doing it. It's it's so easy to do. I don't think about when I have to breathe when I swim. I just breathe. I just tumble turn. I just throw my strokes over. I know how many strokes I do per length of the pool. I know when I'm in a great flow. It's not a thought process. I know when I'm talking about the funds management with the clients that I know it back to front and I love teaching people on it and I keep it to a way where they walk out and saying, I have some type of understanding of what he's just spoken about. And that's what I love, you know. So these, these are the things I, I, I love imparting knowledge on something that I'm good at, something I'm not good at. I'm not going to even attempt to try and impart knowledge. But one of the keys of being in that flow is momentum. Uh, and sometimes, as, as an example, you know, I always have an open door policy. Uh, but sometimes someone will come in and say, can I say no? And the reason why I say no is not because I don't want to hear them or not because I don't like them. I don't take that phone call because I'm in a flow. What I'm doing, I am flowing through and I don't want to lose momentum on that. So there's nothing worse than flying on the bike at 40k an hour and you see a red light coming up. Oh, it kills you. just kills that momentum. And then the power you have to go through to start again and start again and work your way up to 40k an hour to hit another red light. You know, so it's... Uh, but... So having momentum in what you're doing and not letting people or anyone interrupt that flow, I think is really important. But to have that momentum, one of the things is it's not easy. So if you said to me, you know, I remember you saying to me actually, nah, I could never run a marathon. I said, well, load of crap. And he said, no, no, I just don't like running. I said, that doesn't mean you can't run a marathon. You just don't like running. And you said, yeah, which means I can't run a marathon. I said, I guarantee you can run 42.2 kilometres. Why did I guarantee that? If a bear was chased. If you were being chased by a bear, you would run 42.2 kilometres. Oh, that bear would be having a lovely dinner, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> no, you would run. I can tell you, you will value your life far more than saying that I can't run 42.2k. You might not enjoy it, but you can do it. And But if you try to run 42.2 kilometres straight off it's something you work your way into you start by doing a one kilometer walk run you then you then start by getting you know moving into and going further and further to the point where you then all of a sudden run 10 kilometers on the weekend doing a 21k run and then within a year and a half you're ready to run that marathon uh and if it takes me chasing you as the bear because uh, you know i'm not very fast nowadays or two bad knees but it's uh but you know if that's what it's going to take uh that's what it will take but maybe, it can be done maybe. no it can be done so i think there's a, there's a few things to have momentum and to keep momentum you must have consistency in what you do so consistency is all areas of your life i'm not just talking about your smes with work here i'm talking about in your training i'm talking about in your personal life you know there's nothing worse than having a partner who emotionally is just not consistent uh in you know one minute they might be praising you next minute they're ripping shreds off you it's um or someone that you're in a relationship with and they're trying to change who you are you are who you are 
If they're trying to change you, well, then they're not the right person. So having consistency means that now every Tuesday night is our family dinner night. Nothing gets in the way of that. That is consistent. It's habitual. It happens. It's family dinner. All four of us are there. And that's what we do every single Tuesday night. If a client says, I need to see you on Tuesday night and I'm going to invest $20 million with you, my answer is, sorry, mum's um, cooked lamb roast. Yeah. Is that Naomi Watts' famous line? Do you know who Naomi Watts is? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> okay, so it's, uh, no, you want a date with Tom Cruise. <laughs> sorry, mum's cooked a lamb roast. Well, mum doesn't necessarily come for family dinner. But what I'm saying is that's the consistency because every, every the, the family know. Tuesday night is family dinner night. I know um, Paul, I think it's family dinner night is every Wednesday, extended family, yeah. uh, where they all get together. And, and, th- and that's great. So that's that consistency in all areas of life. You know uh, you're going to be far better playing football on a Saturday if you consistently turn up to training on a Tuesday and Thursday. You've got far less likelihood of being injured on a Saturday if you consistently turn up to training on Tuesday and Thursday. So... These are all the things about being consistent in everything you do. Consistent in friends, consistent in relationships. We have our Guardians of the Galaxy dinner, you know, once a month, uh, Scott, Terry and I. It is wonderful. We go out, we have banter, we bag each other. And a couple of weeks ago, I was sick. And I actually had, was with asthma, but uh, I spent a couple of days in hospital. And I had to text them because that Wednesday night... We were meant to be having our Guardians of the Galaxy dinner, going down to University Cafe, at, uh, down in Carlton. You knew what I was going to you know what I was going to order. What was I going to order, Carbonara from University Cafe. Um, so we we're going down there. We we're having our regular catch up, and I had to send him a text saying, "Sorry, guys, I can't catch up." And Terry's initial thought was, "Oh, he's cancelled on us. What's you know? You never cancel." So it was a case of, "Guys, I've actually been ill. I've been in hospital with asthma." So Terry said, "Well." Why don't we get takeout and can we come around to your place? It wasn't family dinner night, it was Wednesday night. I said, I'll ask the boss and guess what? The boys came around for dinner. Yep. And we were up, all of us were around the family table, including the kids. Uh, we're all around the family table till nine o'clock at night just talking about these things and, and what happens. That's consistency of true friendship. And the great thing about Scott and Terry is they knew I'd made a goal to actually lose weight and be consistent um, about and it. No pizza. No pizza, and they came around with mac- not macadamia nuts, uh, hazelnuts. I thought you were uh, mac and cheese, and I was like, <laughs> no, and, um, and and beautiful fresh organic fruit, and they all brought that around, and it's it's really interesting. And out of that um, that night, I made a commitment with one of my lifelong friends, uh, Darren. Uh, if you're listening, Darren, uh, the greatest property lawyers in the country, and but with Darren, and he told me how he'd made a, he'd been putting on weight, and he's made a commitment. He started uh, with the Aston RX uh, food thing, and and what a great change! And that was about changing habits and things that he had to change. And I said, well, why don't I do it too? So what we are now is accountability buddies out of that. So I have to admit, I'm probably not as strict on it as what he is, but guess what? My results aren't as good as his either. Yeah. Uh, but in saying that, you know, in the space of the first week, I dropped four kilos by actually changing my habitual habits of eating junk or eating the wrong food. So and getting into a better flow and a better system there. Correct. And it's it's just, um, but I made that change. I had a scary period there for a few days. Uh, virtually had to have a week off work. Still turned up to the finals to watch you play footy. Um, but had to have a week off work and, but. The end result of that is 
changing habits, having accountability buddies, the consistency of friendships, being in the flow. When Scott Terry and I are together, um, you know, Scott, he's, he, Scott says what has to be said and not a great deal more. <laughs> so it's, uh, but he's, he's not the domineering factor in our conversations, we'll put it that way. But in saying that, Scott's still packed up, came around, left work at Trugger Niner, and came around to my house and had dinner. You know, that's the consistency. So to be in that flow and to be in that perfect genius state is about consistency in all areas of your life. You can't be one person at work and a different person out. So that's, they're the things, you've got to ease into your goals, you've got to have a public display of accountability, have an accountability buddy uh, to work with when you're looking at those goals. And you know, if you're not loving what you're doing, you've got to question what you're doing. Fantastic. Tony, I really appreciate your time and I can definitely say you were definitely in your flow today. That was only uh, nine yeah, minutes. And, love, and, loving, and loving it. So I appreciate your time and look forward to the next podcast. Thank you, Jamie.